Coming to you from 27 miles west of downtown Chicago, you're listening to 27 West, produced by the congregations of Wheaton Bible Church and Iglesia del Pueblo in West Chicago, Illinois, and Tri Village Church, our campus in nearby Streamwood. Our purpose is to make this very large body of Christ a little smaller as we meet and learn from one another. Welcome to 27 West Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Amy Lostutter. Hello. And live music by Amy Mueller. And our guest this week, we're very excited, is the infamous Pastor Rob Boo. Guys, we want this podcast to be a place for you to get to know people in our church's community better and to learn a little and to laugh a lot. So, here we are. Hi, guys. We finally got him in. Rob, how you hey, doing? It's great to be here. Uh, we're, we're glad you're here. I resented a little because you guys asked my wife, Rhonda, first, and we, I'm only yeah. here that because Rhonda... That is a true Rhonda story. So, so, <laughs> actually, Amy, tell us that story. It's pretty funny. I asked Rhonda... I said, hey, we have this podcast. It's super fun. In, in texting, you were this texting. This was a text. Right, right. I was like, we'd love for you to be a guest on our show. You you have a really cool story. And she responded, no, I don't want to. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't like the... Uh, <laughs> she just doesn't yeah, like the attention, yeah. I guess. But, Which is fine. But there was someone else in the room. And then she said, I'm here with Rob. And he's a little upset that you didn't ask him to be on the podcast. Is that true, Rob? Uh, that is true. And I said, as a matter of fact, some people's jobs were in jeopardy. Yeah. And so you guys kind of ran with that quickly, right? And oh, yeah. Five minutes later, there was a text out to Five Rob. minutes later, hey, we'd love to have you, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. still, the wound is deep, you guys. I'm just saying. We're going to try to heal that wound. Some, some wounds will never heal. So we're going to start with a new segment, and this one is called Would You Rather. So, Amy, if I can get some Would You Rather music. Oh, I like Would I you like rather. So I'm going to say Would You Rather. And you're going to say what you would rather do, and then maybe a small explanation why, okay? All right. Are you nervous? No. Okay, good. Here we go. First one. (laughs) Rob, would you rather read a book or watch a movie? Read a book. Why? Because if it's a good book, it's um, super nourishing for me. Yeah. Uh, draws me closer to Christ, expands my mind. Good. Good answer. But I love movies. Yeah, I know you do. Okay, how about this one? Eat sushi or eat a good steak? Oh, man, that's hard. I know. Um, I would eat a good steak. Okay. I love sushi, though. Yeah, I know. We've been. What? A few times. Yeah, we, we went to sushi a couple oh, times. Yeah. Jealous. Yeah. Okay. This one, would you rather go barefoot water skiing or snow skiing? Ooh. Oh, that that's one. really yeah. hard. Um, as I've gotten old earlier, it would have been um, water skiing. As I've gotten older, I would yeah. say snow skiing. Okay. All right, here we go. This one is a little bit, you have to think about this one. Would you rather teach to 2,000 people you've never met every week or the same 15 people every week? I think the former, the 2,000. Okay. I Reach get that. more people that I get way. That. I get that. Would you rather, this one's really hard. Would you rather watch the sunset or the sunrise? Sunset. Okay. Would you rather use a MacBook or a Chromebook? Oh, Scott, I really like Chromebooks. <laughs> you like the Chromebook? Yeah. Do you yeah. have a Chromebook? No. Oh. <laughs> but he doesn't like Mac, I think. I, I don't know. He's, you're not up with the Mac. You don't have a Mac. The, the yeah. I, uh, uh, the powers that be here have given me a Dell, not a Mac. <laughs> okay. It's probably so. smart. And you, and you actually, when you, when you prepare your sermons, you write them out. 
I do. With a pen. Yeah. Which That's is very, so old school. Very Renaissance. I know. It's Renaissance. I know. I actually used to do them in a Word document. Yeah. Oh, you used to, and now oh, you don't. And now I don't. That seems like that's going backwards with the times. It is. It is. It is. Okay. In a waiting room, say at the doctor or wherever it might be, would you rather read a men's health magazine or browse your phone for social media? I will never go on an appointment like that without taking a book. Okay. So I'm always Tricky. reading my book. Trick question. That's good. <laughs> Notice it wasn't take my phone to watch a movie. It's a book. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. Would you rather have the power to fly... Or the power to breathe underwater? Fly. That's what I would say, Same. too. You, too, Amy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scenery. Yep. Okay, this one is kind of a four, would you rather? So there's four options. Number okay. one, go to a Bears game, a Cubs game, a Blackhawks game, or the Bulls? Uh, Bears. Bears. I'm a bigger Bears fan than I am a Cubs fan, and then the others are after that. And and lately, you can get those tickets for like 15 cents a piece, so that's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Maybe... In the sovereignty of God, mercy of God, maybe. this will be different. Yeah, maybe. Now, Rob, this one is going to be so hard for you because you're so good at both of these. Would you rather be a, a good dancer or a great singer? <laughs> you know, Scott, <laughs> my family will tell you I'm a really good dancer. Okay. As long as it's really dark. <laughs> and you're a great singer as long as it's in the shower, right? Okay. All right, here we go. We have like four more. Would you rather preach a 15-minute sermon every day or one four-hour sermon once a week? Wow. Wow. Um, that's tough. There's pluses and minuses to both. I don't know if I could answer that question. Probably the 15-minute. Okay. You did answer. That's great. Okay. This one is back to reading. Would you rather read, read, but become mute and not be able to? Or not be able to read by comprehending the words and not be able to talk. Will you say that again? (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather read but become mute or not be able to read and be able to talk? Okay, I think the first time you said, would you rather be mute or would you rather be able to read but not comprehend? I I did have some help with these. I'm reluctant to talk after that question. We're just going to skip that one. I think Scott would rather become mute. Okay, would you rather have 50 casual friends or two very close friends? Oh, two. That's a great answer. Right. Okay, last one. Would you rather be on a podcast or a TV show? Oh man, the podcasts are where it where the where it is happening, right? right? That's true. You know, I mean, no makeup. On. I mean, we didn't we didn't do too much makeup yeah, for you today. Yeah, your top knot out. That's I hear, right. I hear <laughs> Josh is starting makeup though. So that's good. Yeah, thanks, Amy. That was great music. Wow. That was a great segment to kick us off. Scott. Yeah, you got it. Take it away, Amy. Yeah. So we just want to talk to Rob about you know, maybe a lot of people don't really know who you are, since that we do have a lot of people in our church. Right. And we see you weekly. We see you weekly, but we don't get to all have conversations with you like we do. So we're going to extend that out to all of our listeners. So we're going to start from baby Rob. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. We're starting from the very beginning. This is only like a 30 minute podcast. You know that? Yeah, we got, we're going to, we're going to do it. Okay. So can you tell us about like where you grew up, what your family dynamic was? Yeah. I uh, grew up in northern Indiana, born in South Bend, Notre Dame country, and uh, was raised in Elkhart right next door, was raised in a non-Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was a troubled alcoholic 
who died just as I was becoming a teenager, mm-hmm. just when I had turned 13. Uh, so my mom was a single parent mother of three kids. I was wow. the oldest. Mm-hmm. And my mom was a strong woman in the best sense of the word. Uh, not quite sure where she was spiritually. Um, there was some migration over the years, but back in those days, she was a strong woman. We attended a, a liberal Presbyterian church um, fairly regularly, so I grew up with a sense that God is out there, but there was nothing beyond that. Right. Mm-hmm. I was sort of a kid that acted out as yeah. I went into my teenage years, the fact that I didn't have a dad around. And right. Got a fair amount of trouble doing different things. Yep. So, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, when did that turn around? Like, when did you get to know Jesus on a personal level? So, um, it was when I went to college. I went to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. And my first year and a half was the... Um, I did a deep dive into the party scene, Mm -hmm. joined a fraternity, was living in the fraternity, and got to know a couple Stanford University grads who were running uh, a Young Life ministry on our college campus to recruit SMU students to work in Young Life clubs and high school campuses around um, SMU and North Dallas. And so a friend put me in touch with these guys, and we started to talk, and they gave me some books to read and answered a lot of questions. And um, I went through this process of months. I remember going snow skiing over Christmas break in the middle of these conversations. And we were skiing with, I was skiing with some fraternity brothers out in Vail, and we were back in the bowls. And I had this overwhelming sense because at the same time I was reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, which mm-hmm. is an argument for the yep. existence of yeah. God, that, boy, these bulls dramatically uh, demonstrate that you know, this couldn't have happened by chance. The right. beauty was just overwhelming to me as a guy from the cornfields in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I came away from that ski trip absolutely convinced that God existed for the first time in my life. I was uh, 19 years old. Wow. And then it just kind of built from there, uh, read John Stott's book, Basic Christianity, had yeah. a lot more conversations. Stott articulates the gospel in four or five chapters in a kind of a simple, easy-to-comprehend way. And it was through reading Stott's book that I came to Christ. What's interesting about my story is I was such a party guy that, Two days after I came to Christ, I lost almost every single friend I had in the fraternity mm-hmm. wow. because I was no longer doing the things that mm-hmm. we used to do together. Yeah. You know, like, well, you, you did something a little different because many people, well, they never get to the point to where they even believe that God really exists. And, but there's also a large amount of people that believe that God exists and they just will go, oh, maybe one day, yeah. maybe Check one day out. I'll do that. It sounds like yours was a pretty rapid. Um, yeah, it took to place Jesus. over about six months, okay. but I, my questions kept kept getting answered, and I was really impressed with the Christians I was meeting, both um, who were out of college and then other SMU students. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to say before that, I'm not sure, sure I ever knew a Christian, Okay, wow. and uh, never had any exposure to the gospel. So my conversion was radical, mm-hmm. and 
by the grace of God, there's been no looking back. There you go. So you, that was in college. You graduated college. Did you go to seminary right after? Or what was yeah, the plan? Yeah, I, I was a finance major in college and was um, entertaining some opportunities to go into the marketplace and being discipled by a couple guys and started to enjoy teaching the Bible was really horrible. But people were patient with me. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was stumbling and trying to figure things out. And it, it was just great to look back on that the way these guys came around me and kept encouraging me and then i just decided you know i'm going to take a year off Hmm. and before i make a decision so i spent a year working in a self-service gas station on lover's lane by love field in big d and was that your first job that was my first job and it about killed my family after they'd spent all this money yeah i I get that you get that going to school and here uh little robbie's working in a uh, self-service gas station but i was taking a a greek course and so i learned uh, greek and studied greek and got to study the bible and then the next year i went to a seminary went to dallas seminary that's right and was there for four years did you get your mdiv no, I got a THM because it was a rigorous language. What's THM stand for? Uh, uh, Masters of Theology. Oh, okay. So that's that's awesome the way God, you know, brought you through that and and gave you the idea to take a year off to figure out what you want to do. I think many times we just jump into something and it's hard for us to really be successful because we don't think about where we're jumping. Yeah, I was such a young and immature Christian. I didn't even know what the questions were. <laughs> and if I would have gone to seminary, a lot of good stuff yeah. would have been lost mm-hmm. on me. Okay, so seminary, and then you were a pastor yeah, before at, Wheaton Bible. and at, While I was in seminary um, and while I was at SMU, I was doing young life ministry, and mm-hmm. then that migrated to uh, student ministry in a local church. So my after my third year at seminary, um, Carol and I got married okay. and went through the last year together. And then um, we went on, and our, our first church experience was in Nina, Wisconsin, where I was a youth pastor. Hmm. All the great ones start in youth ministry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's a whole like the lot... gateway to senior <clears throat> pastorship. Yeah, That's right. I hope most people uh, do it better than I did. Um, but, it, but it was a lot of fun. And yeah. I was in this mm-hmm. church for about five years and then migrated out of uh, high school ministry into evangelism and discipleship and at was the same it, church at the same yeah. church and was there which was cool because i kind of got to write my own job description yeah and was there for uh nine to ten years and then ran into an old seminary uh professor of mine and um ended up going to be his executive pastor hmm. in memphis tennessee mm-hmm. so 10 years and then Five years in Memphis, uh, where I was an executive pastor at a church called First Evangelical Church, and the senior pastor uh, was a former professor of mine, a guy by the name of Dwayne Litvin, who then went on to become the president of Wheaton College. Okay. Hmm. Now, is that how you came yeah. to Wheaton? Yeah. 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 So after Dwayne left and had been the president of Wheaton Bible Church, began to look for a senior pastor, and Dwayne recommended me to the search committee here at Wheaton Bible Church. And reluctantly, <laughs> the search committee began to explore this with me. I'd never been a senior pastor. Sure. I, I 
had every uh, pastoral ministry position in the church right. by that time. Yeah, how big was Wheaton Bible at that point? Uh, I think we had about, mm, I don't know, let's say a thousand, maybe a little more okay. uh, attenders, and total attendance was around that, maybe yeah. maybe more. That's a pretty that's a pretty big jump though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Our staff was really small back in the, yeah. that day when I, you know, here I am 25 years later and it's like a whole that's different place. That's how old I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm older than yeah. 25, yeah. but yeah. that's like an Amy lifetime. That's and pretty good. Your that point is... in saying that, tell me Amy. <laughs> that you're just so young for how yeah. long yeah, you you've been great. the senior pastor. Yeah. So, is there is there anyone <laughs> <You look> great. <laughs> is there anyone here on staff right now that was here when you started? Uh, no, Gary Dossey, who's a okay. emeritus, right. uh, was on staff when I started. And that you've out. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it lasted all of us. Yeah. Close pe- people. How long has Chris McGoway been? Twenty. Chris okay, has been so on that's close. Staff yeah. On t- yeah. So um, twenty-five years is a long time. That is that's a, a long, long time. time. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So you talked about Carol. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about Carol and her battle and? Yeah. So what Amy's referring to is my wife's, my first wife, Carol's battle with cancer. Mm-hmm. We had been married 26 years. We were about a year and a half away from relocating to this new facility we've been in now. We're going to celebrate 10 years this Sunday mm-hmm. of being here in the North Avenue campus. And um, Carol was a, a workout, uh, f- uh, not freak, that's too strong. Fanatic. But, yeah, really watch what she ate. I mean, we had bags of tofu and mm. refrigerator <laughs> and it was just good. super health conscious. Yeah. And uh, we had four kids and she was diagnosed with uh, a form of melanoma mm. that is internal. Mostly you think of melanoma as being something that starts on your skin, but you can get it in different internal places in your body, like your eye and your nose and um, a couple other places. And so Carol was diagnosed with melanoma, and um, it was a bad diagnosis. Mm. So at that time, there really wasn't any place, in spite of all the great hospitals here in Chicago, that had like a melanoma department. Yeah. So we were... Um, uh, encourage you to go to MD Anderson, which is you know one of the cancer hospitals in the country down in Houston. And we began about eight months of going back and forth, really every three weeks, uh, to MD Anderson. And it was interestingly, it was the most one of the most pressurized periods of my life, vocationally, ministry-wise, because we were just ramping up to relocate and trying right. to figure stuff mm-hmm. out and. You know, get things ordered, and all of a sudden, um, you know, Carol uh, has this cancer, and over the months she began to to really sink. I have vivid memories of pushing her through, you know, O'Hare in a wheelchair, and you know, every little bump set her off, and she had an IV bag, and you know, a lot of things going on in her body. And Carol lived for about eleven months. Okay, and. Um, we had an amazing, wonderful memorial service for her at Edmund Chapel, um, and the place was just packed. It mm. was really, really cool. So we had been married for not quite, or just a little over 27 years uh, when she died, and wow. suddenly yeah. I'm a single-parent dad with four kids. Yeah. My oldest daughter had gotten married, 
two were in college, and Ryan was the caboose, and he was 12. Wow. Yeah. So that kind of mimics what you're, you lost a parent when you were young. Yeah, yeah. So um, Ryan became, uh, Ryan experienced the death of his mother about the same time yeah. I experienced the death wow. of my dad. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. And then talk about how Rhonda kind of yeah. came into and I read your book. So Rob has a book called When the Bottom Drops Out. And you kind of talk a lot more in detail about this. Yeah. And it's super fascinating. But kind of tell people. It seems like a movie. Yeah. You were saying that earlier. <laughs> it's you, like you a said movie. It's, yeah. What did you say? A rom-com? Which it is kind a, of is a romantic rom- well, comedy? Well, a traumatic rom-com. Trom-com. Uh, I wouldn't use the word comedy <laughs> in the current sense of the term. No, like but... maybe like a, Yeah. I don't like, know what a film, bu- film like, buffs call well, it. Okay, if it was a movie, who would who would play Rob? I'm putting you on the spot. Um, I, Clint Eastwood, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, like a younger, is, way yeah. younger. Clint that is George Clooney. Such an insult. <laughs> no, a younger George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. George, yes, George yeah. Clooney. Or Brad, George? or Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, one of those. Who are okay. those guys? <laughs> They're the most handsome men in in yeah. Hollywood. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> It's cool because staff raises are just yeah, happening. Yeah, right? yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah definitely. I had no idea. Pit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Rhonda and her first husband Tom Williams had been a part of Wheaton Bible Church for seven years when I came. Mm-hmm. So they preceded me and were very active in the ministry. Tom um, had this extraordinary gift of evangelism. He probably had, um, uh, how do I want to say this, as potent a gift of evangelism as I've ever seen in a lay person. He was a surgeon. He was uh, uh, in charge of the medical staff at CDH Hospital. When you go into CDH today, there's a big garden on the first floor, and that's a Tom Williams Memorial Garden. Oh, I didn't know that. And you guys were pretty close. Tom was my best friend. And our families kind of grew up together. I always felt as a dad, I wanted to have multiple parents speaking into my kids. Yeah. I wanted my kids to be exposed to other moms, other dads. Yeah. So there was a uh, some families in the church that we would regularly vacation with. And then we'd go water skiing, snow skiing in the winter. Mm-hmm. And the Williams were right in the middle of that. And... Um, so our kids had all these amazing experiences. Interestingly, my youngest, Ryan, um, became a patient of Rhonda's the moment we moved here. So he... Well, and Rhonda is a doctor. And Rhonda's a yep. pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. So they were in the church, all that to say they were in the church. Our families were really close. Uh, Tom got a very unusual, he had the medical world at his fingertips, right. got a very unusual type of cancer, a squamous cell cancer in his thyroid, which was way more rare than Carol's cancer, which was fairly rare. And Tom only lived for about four and a half months. Wow. And he died about a year and a half before Carol did. And um, so then Carol um, passed away. And Rhonda and I, because Tom and I were such good friends, we still owned, we had owned a series of ski boats. We still owned a ski boat. And our kids were starting to get a little older, so we decided to sell the ski boat. And I can still see Rhonda and I standing there by the ski boat, getting ready to put it on the market. And it sold really quickly to another couple in the church. 
And then Ron and I just began the process of talking a little and um, trying to do it in a way that was not public in a way right. that, you know, wouldn't catch anybody. Because you have anybody's. a lot of eyes on you. Yeah. yeah, and there's all sorts of ways you can fall off this cliff as mm-hmm. a senior pastor, sure. you yeah. know. And I, so I was very conscious of that. Rhonda was ahead of me in her grieving, mm-hmm. but um, we were both, you know, still bleeding, and that created a common bond. And um, what I didn't know at the time, and this is really a cool part of the story, is that um, – there were a number of people in Wheaton Bible Church, including staff and elders and their spouses, that were praying that Rhonda and I would get together. Wow. That wow. Rhonda would sort of rescue me from moving to California and becoming a surfer or something yeah. like yeah. that. <laughs> and so things just sort of accelerated between Rhonda and I. and. About 17 months after we started dating, we ended up uh, getting married. We've been married 10 and a half years now, and we're in this crazy thing called step family. And for Mm -hmm. any of you that are listening, man, my heart goes out to you if you're in a step family. It's not something you would choose, Um, and it has all sorts of uh, bogeys in the system. And for a long time, Rhonda and I were on a step family board uh, out of Family Life Ministries. But because of some of my other commitments in the last year, I've had to back out. But uh, the problem in step family life is you're like uh, se- uh, two semis going 90 miles an hour. And Rhonda had been married for 25 years. I'd been married for 27. And all of a sudden, you're trying to merge lanes. Mm-hmm. And there's just competing allegiances and stuff like that. So, um, and you, when you guys got married, were your kids in high school, like high school yeah. age? So they were still in the home, which I'm sure yeah. was. So Rhonda had uh, Christine, her youngest, had um, was just finishing her senior year, or had just finished her senior year, and then Ryan was. Um, and um, now he was in eighth grade about to go into high school. And one of the things they say about step families, and there's a lot of wisdom in this, if you've got teenagers, man, don't get remarried because the teenage years are so difficult to (laughs) begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you know, Ryan's got a, you know, who is this woman? Now she's my mom. She's not my mom. And she knew her because you guys are family friends. Well, he Rhonda had been his pediatrician his right. entire life. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about how weird that yeah. is. Well, I mean, you can now save on copays, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. That is yeah, a thanks. it's a cool story to see how God just took both your hands and you wound up holding yeah. hands at the end. And it's just been amazing. It's been an amazing ride. It's been a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And my one of my favorite things in life is Friday night for Rhonda and I to go on a date night. And, just kind of forget about everything. That's great. What's your favorite thing to do on date yeah, night? Yeah, that, that's uh, a... it's uh, dinner or dinner and a movie yeah. or sometimes mm-hmm. it, just a movie. And But life comes at us hard. Yeah. And, you know, it just depends. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to mix it up a little bit. And yeah. we are we have a, a segment called the Soapbox segment. Hit it, Amy. Amy. So what is a soapbox? Thanks for asking. The soapbox segment is where we talk about things that either we love so much that we want to tell everyone or we dislike so much that we want to complain about. I usually tend to lean towards the complaining side. 
I'm trying to think of things that I'm really passionate about that I love that are soapbox worthy, but they just can't come to me. So I will give an example of my soapbox and then Pastor Rob, if you want to share yours. Oh, yeah. So I'm a little bit of a coffee snob. And previously on the podcast, Scott, you remember I talked about bulletproof coffee. Yeah. That's, and how I didn't yeah. really like it. It's like butter and grass or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like butter yeah. and oil mixed with coffee. Mm. It's weird. Gasoline and it, or and something. And it stained my shirt, which is why I now I'm against it. But other than bulletproof coffee, I really enjoy coffee. Like I have my beans and my French press and my Chemex. And like on the weekends, I do a pour over. My husband is not like that, and he drinks really cheap coffee, right. like Maxwell House, right. which is fine for a lot of people, but he always makes fun of my French press yep. when I want to make it because he's like, oh, it takes so much work. You have to grind the beans and measure it out and pour the hot water in, and he just likes to put it in the machine, turn it on, go. So the other night, he was telling me that he makes French presses for me sometimes, <laughs> but he uses his Maxwell House Maxwell's coffee. French press, which is not good. <laughs> it's not good. Like, why are you wasting all your time to make really nice cup of coffee? But, but he has good beans? intentions when he's doing it. He does it because I love it, but I didn't realize that it was Maxwell House. So really, your soapbox is not very fair. What do you mean? I mean, he's doing it out of love. He's trying to help you. Yeah, but I feel like you could just take, if you're going to do all that time to like heat up the, the water, wait four minutes after you, you pour the well water, just, in, you may yeah. as well just take two seconds and grind just some beans. Just brew it, yeah. Maxwell House. Yeah. Is that the one where they said like, that's funny, he never has a second cup at, at home. Do you remember that commercial? No. Well, Rob, that's more our era right there. Sorry. All right, so Rob, what do you, what do you, <laughs> now, now you have a couple of I'm just staring at you, 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 you have a, uh. Yeah, um. Yeah. I really don't like water skiers who ski with skis. Oh, oh you're kind of a snob. I am. Yeah, well, yeah. Wait, I'm a coffee well, snob. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm a two planker. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? Yeah, two skis. Oh, two skis. But yeah. what's worse? It's ski lingo. Okay. So, oh, sorry. I wouldn't yeah. understand. But yeah. what's worse is because I'm a barefooter, and barefooters require calm water. Yeah. And you know, like glass. Um, what really bugs me are wave runners yeah because they and, make the waves and we right. used to yeah. have a um saying when we were skiing a lot on the fox river and uh, around that if you killed a wave runner it wasn't murder oh wow now i've, I've had difficulty reconciling that <laughs> we might them. need wow. to edit that one out yeah. um okay whoa okay but you have another soapbox that's maybe a little more serious yeah and, and this is something i've been preaching about and thinking about and reading about lately and that is that too often we as Christians settle for informed minds without engaged hearts. So we have information. We fill a notebook. You know, we take a course. We listen to podcasts. Right. We do these things. And we get things in our mind. But they don't travel to our hearts. So we right. don't experience what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 about Christ dwelling in your heart by right. faith. Mm-hmm. In other words, we don't grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Right. And that doesn't that doesn't play a role when we're having emotional meltdowns or we're feeling angry right. or anxious about something and we just kind of leak the flesh because we have information about Jesus but Jesus isn't dwelling our heart by faith. We're not delighting in Jesus, we're not centering in right. Jesus. Right. You know, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord only. Again, I say rejoice. Let your patience be evident to all. Mm-hmm. And what I'm learning um, 
as I, as I get older now is to the extent I'm rejoicing in Christ, then I won't uh, be looking for other things yeah. to fill my heart in ways that God only intends the gospel to. That's so important because, um, I mean, like I, I've even noticed there was a time in my life when I would write a message or something or a sermon. And at the end, I started asking myself, so what? So what? So what does this change? And I think that that part of the application, many of us will go, oh, that was a really great sermon, really great talk. All right, what's next? And yeah. like, there's that part where we need to process. And, and what do they say? It's like the, to get from the head to the heart. It's like the hardest 12 inches or whatever. Yeah, the to, longest journey. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, we we listen to messages or we read books and um, we're looking for three steps, you know, three steps to eliminate worry or Mm -hmm. three steps to overcome this or overcome that. And they should all start with C, with some alliteration, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) C or A or B, depending on the mood you're in. And the reality (laughs) is this is why God's given us the gospel. This uh, resolution comes in Christ. So... Our first value as a church is the gospel isn't just a starting line, it's a whole race. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a function of what I do, it's a function of living in light of what Jesus has right. done. Right. Yeah. That's a good soapbox. That's a great reminder. That's good. And and really it kind of leads into the next thing. So so Rob, we're almost done. You've done a great job. Well, thank you, um, Scott. I know and you were really you nervous. You were really yeah. nervous. <laughs> yeah. So what what do you what do you <laughs> what are you looking forward to in the next three to five years here at Wheaton Bible Church? I'm looking forward to a lot. I'm really excited about the changes that uh, we're rolling out. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of things going on that are uh, already out there in terms of worship service times and moving venues and then more behind the scenes. There's, right. you know, some ministry targets and some reorg. And I just can't wait to see when the dust settles, Yeah, mm-hmm. how this is all going to play out. You know, I... I've been in this for months. Some of these changes uh, we've been talking about behind the scenes for years. I right. literally mean that. And I have this sense from God that um, we're going to get to the other side of this and we're going to be amazed at some of the things that God is going to do. Yeah, I'm excited. Me too. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be great. Yeah, well, Thanks, you guys. You've been yeah. a big part of it as well. I mean, we're in this together, right? That's right. We're all in this together. Thanks yeah. for joining us, Rob. Hey, Bolton Scott, says. Amy. Um, thank you, guys. I have loved this. Let's do it again. Okay. All right. How about next week? Now we'll wait. <laughs> well, to find out more about our podcast and subscribe, head to 27westpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at 27westpodcast. Thanks to Josh Dix for producing this episode, Amy Mueller for being our musical artist, and Scott Murray for being my sidekick. I'm Amy Lostetter, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.